This is the Larry Hardesty Show on 98.7 ESPN New York. At 1-800-919-3776. Also via Twitter, at Hardesty ESPN, at ESPN NY 98 underscore 7 FM. Glad you could join me on this Sunday evening. Hope you're resting up, getting your back ready, doing your exercises for shoveling or tuning up the uh, snowblower. We've got some troublesome weather coming along, but for a couple of minutes, join me. Let's talk a little sports here on 98.7 ESPN. We begin with the New York Knicks. And the game you just heard here on 98.7 ESPN, Clippers beat the Knicks 129-115. Now, let's be honest. The final score, by the way, was not indicative of the game. Okay? Doesn't mean that the Clippers are better than the Knicks. It's not what I'm saying. I'm saying the Knicks were in this game. It was a seesaw battle. You heard Tom Thibodeau in the postgame. Early third quarter, Knicks came out a little sluggish. Fourth quarter, they ran through some situations where they weren't able to score. And unfortunately, that's what this Nick team is. Okay? This Nick team has a small margin for victory. They have to be lights out defensively, and they have been. They're in, what, top three in, in just about every category defensively you can think of in the NBA? So... That defense gives them the opportunity to make some turnovers and get some easy baskets. And that's the margin that they try to use to make up for the difference of their inability to really get consistent scoring from people other than Julius Randle and over the past couple of games, R.J. Barrett, and obviously Emmanuel quickly coming off the bench. So for this team today, their challenge was facing a Clippers team that is lights out from three. They've got five or six different options of great three-point shooters. I mean, great three-point shooters. I mean, look look at the starters today. Patterson, three for three. Kawhi, one of three. Ibaka, three of four. Jackson, three of six. Poor George struggled. He had one of eight. Okay, then... Uh, Marcus Morris Sr., the former Nick, came back to hurt his team. Three for six from three. All right? Uh, Leonard, two of two from three. All right, they shot 44.7%. So let's round it up. They shot 45% from three. 45. And in a lot of cases, because of the versatility of both Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, you have to play them to take the ball to the basket. So by doing that and giving them a cushion, it challenges your three-point shooting and three-point defense. And that's what happened to the Knicks today. Once again, uh, this Knicks team, I tell you, they, they're they 9-12 after the first 21 games. And I think they played very well for most of those games. There may be one or two here that they didn't give you the full effort defensively or they were just exhausted or whatever whatever the situation was that they just didn't play well. And the other issue is because of their limited offensive opportunities, when they go into droughts, it kills them. Okay, it just it wears them out. And so that's why when they go to their bench, Rivers has to give them a lot. Burks has to give them a lot. Quickly has been giving them points. I mean, he's been the star of the show. Two of eight from three today, not a high three-point percentage, but once again, getting to the basket, you know, creating for some of his teammates. Had three assists today. But mainly when he's out there, he's looking to score because they need another score off that bench. Rivers today struggled, one of four for four points. So the starters and... Listen, Bullock, it's his first game back. He'll get his shooting eye back again, hopefully. Julius Randle again, leading the scores. 27 points, 12 boards, three turnovers. But he's the guy. And as much as we have criticized him last season, and he deserved it, he's, he's a different player this year. Is he the perfect player? No, he's not the perfect player but he is a better, more efficient player than what he was last year. Had a couple of turnovers late today trying to do too much because he felt that the game was slipping away, so I understand what he was trying to do there. Uh, But still, 
you give him credit for what he's been able to do. If he doesn't score, this team can't win. Simple as that. R.J. Barrett is giving you some consistency, showing you some signs. Another 20-point game today had 23 points in 31 minutes. Thought he might have been on the bench a little long in that fourth quarter, though. And the only reason I will nitpick at that is because I felt that Austin Rivers just was just didn't wasn't as effective as he's been previously. So I might have considered bringing Barrett back earlier to give them some more scoring, to give them a guy that could take the ball to the basket because they went through a phase in that fourth quarter as I mean what respect does Tyrone 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 Lou have for Emmanuel quickly? He put Kawhi on it. <laughs> he put Kawhi Leonard on it. So once Kawhi Leonard went there and quickly had to take the ball out of his hands a little bit, I think you needed somebody else to be more aggressive to go to the basket. Everybody seemed to want to pass the ball around and not really look for their shot. And I think that cost them down the stretch. And then by not scoring and then trying to get back on defense, you had some transition issues. They gave up some threes. Uh, and there's one play late. And for me, it was it was clear that – Serge Ibaka took two hands and pushed Julius Randle out of bounds. And that's late in the full court. That's, that's a three-point swing because he got a three-point play on that call. He was fouled by Randle and got the basket and went to the free throw line. That's three points that, you know, maybe at that stretch going, if the, if the call is the right call is made, and there were some calls that went on both sides that you're shaking your head. But, you think about it, in a close game like that, if that reverses, you know, maybe the Knicks get a little more, have a chance to make it an even closer game. Remember, they were down by two late in this game. So, nevertheless, uh, you like what you saw from the Knicks. The Clippers right now have won 10 of their last 11. And I think one of the things that really says a lot about where this Knicks team could go with their younger players was a quote. And our young Omnisook, uh, covers the Clippers and the Lakers for us at ESPN. And uh, Coach Lou had a quote that he's been having conversation with uh, Mike Woodson and a number of the coaching staff of the Knicks about the dedication of Emmanuel Quickly and how he is becoming a student of the game and how he is just really working hard to get better. And Lou told the media post game that, after the Knicks left the floor for the warm-ups, their warm-ups, that quickly stayed to watch Kawhi Leonard's warm-up routine and what he does and some of the things he does because so, he wants to get better. And when you, that's what you want to see with your young players, ladies and gentlemen. That's it. For, for a young man to say, hey, I want to be like this. We already know that he's a big fan of Lou Williams. I mean, and they showed it on TV. The, the his floater is almost identical to Lou Williams' floater. It's almost identical. So you can see the influence that several players have had on his career and his style of play. And when you see that and you see him wanting to put in that extra hard work, uh, it, it's, it's a good sign. It's a good sign. Our poll question today, we haven't done this in a while, so uh, JP and I said, let's go, let's, let's put a Twitter poll question up. At Hardest to ESPN, at ESPN NY 98 underscore 7 FM. After 21 games, complete this sentence. After 21 games, the Knicks have played better than expected, worse than expected, or as expected. It's the Larry Hardesty Show. On 98.7 ESPN. 1-800-919-3776. Getting your thoughts on uh, the Knicks. After 21 games, how, how do you feel about this team? How, how are you looking at this team right now? Clearly, we know going in that they had deficiencies. They were going to have trouble scoring. No question. You knew that. That's obvious. There's no shooting on the team. None. None. But they play hard. They're into at least, and look. Folks jumped on me early. Boy, Larry, you got a low bar to set for this team. Well, look how this team performed over the past couple of years. 
Last year, year before last, Knicks Clippers, I would have looked at this game because I have to look at the game because I'm going to talk to you about the game. And then we would talk maybe about five or ten minutes about it, and we would talk about, oh, this team is awful. Oh, this team doesn't know. Oh, I didn't watch it. It wasn't competitive. You haven't. I don't think there's been maybe one or two games this season out of the 21, and it's a small, small sample size. I grant you. But I don't think there's one. There's more than one or two games that you looked at this season that you said it was unwatchable for the Knicks as they performed. I don't think you could. I don't think you could say it. The young players are are growing. Now, having said that, and I get to the calls in a second, I'm concerned about Obi Toppin. And while I am enthused and impressed at what I've seen from Emmanuel quickly to the point that I'm ready to put him in the starting rotation already, understanding that it's going to hurt the bench somewhat. But I do think that Julius Randle needs a more consistent score with him. Uh, but I love what Emmanuel quickly brings off the bench. I, I need, I'm need. i looking now to wonder where is Obi Toppin here. And part of it is because of Quickly's ability to score so easily when he comes off the bench that Toppin is not seeing a lot of shot selection, not a lot of shots. I mean, he put up two today. So I need to see a little bit more from him. And he looks tentative. Does that make sense? He looks tentative. He looks like when he drives to the when he drives, he's selling for the three too much for me. Put the ball on the deck. Go to the basket. I mean, that's what quickly does. Quickly has been able. Yeah, he hits the three, but he puts the ball on the deck. And for Toppin, I'd like to see him with the mid-range game and then move out some. I just need to see some more scoring from him. And once again. I do understand that that quickly is has got the the ball and he's but the one thing I'll say about him yes he looks to score but he also looks to get other players involved. So you know I that that is a concern for me. Let's go to the phone see what you have to say. 1-800-919-3776. Spike in Jersey. Lead us off on the Larry Hardesty show. Oh, glad to talk to my friend. Be careful tomorrow. I got uh, got a lot to say. I'll be quick and let the other callers chime in. Three people had very bad games today. Tom Thibodeau had a very bad game. Bill Kennedy, who I go back a long way with, had a very bad game today. And the uh, Knicks' defensive integrity went back into the toilet over on 30th and 8th. The closeouts look like last year on the three ball. Now, Let's give credit where credit's due. This is the best three-point shooting team in the league. They were at full bore. They were rested. Uh, But, Larry, I know know how you think. We've talked for so many years. (laughs) One, Mississippi. Two, how many Mississippis do you need to get over to get close out again? They were going the roundabout way. They put MapQuest in instead of using your GPS. (laughs) You can't do that. Now... The thing on Topin, and I'll get to Thibodeau and, and, and Billy for in a minute. The thing with Topin, it, you know this from being in locker rooms all your life. It's easier for the, the small guys to, to adapt to the yep. game than the big. So just, just yep. His footwork was okay. He tried to get away with a, with a screen. I can't wait to break down this tape tomorrow. Tell you, it gets me through my rough days. But I'll, I'll tell you, uh, the free throw shooting, uh, the difference was the three balls, no question yeah, about yeah. it. The turnovers were, were light. The rebounds mm-hmm. were about even. I'm not looking mm-hmm. at a box. I, I could just tell you by my eyeball. But Tom Thibodeau, with his affinity for a guy that I watched grow up in Brooklyn, Taj Gibson, went a little yeah. too far. A little yeah. too far leaving him in there that many minutes, yeah. okay? I haven't been wrong yet. So... He had it going pretty good. You knew Kawhi is unguardable. He put Kawhi on, on the rookie, on the second-year player. Uh, Billy Kennedy missed three calls in a row. He just missed them. Yeah. That's not like him, but he gets a pass because he's been in the league 20, 25 years. All I could say is if you put quickly in the starting lineup, you're going to draw a tougher defender. He's very, very savvy, but he's having trouble defensively. He's, he's, he's wandering around. And my last thing, and I can't wait to listen to all the calls and share the input, 
Guess who didn't get it? Guess who was a DNP coach's decision today? Do you notice? Uh, yes, I did. That would be one that, Kevin Knox. That's right. And that's why Thibodeau's my guy. Because <laughs> if you don't play defense you don't play. And, and you don't you don't see that end line, which we call the baseline, you ain't playing. But no. all in all, they hung in there as long as they can. Talent uh, won out. Uh, that's a tough, tough team. That's a really tough team. And uh, we played as well as we can. I figured if all things are even. But you know what? I would have liked someone to be knocked on their rear end on a three ball and give them three free throws after a while. You can't be that wide open. We went through this the whole year, last three years. So anyway, look forward to the show. I look forward to all the calls and their input. I give the team an A-plus for effort. The coach uh, is not going to play Taj Gibson 18 minutes again. I want to hear no, your he opinion. Can't, Thank he, you. he can't do that. You're right, Spike. He, he can't do that. And I understand that, you know, he – he likes him out there. He knows he knows his defensive intensity, his philosophy. He knows how to put players in different spots because he's familiar with Tibbs and his and his defensive prowess. But you know, he doesn't bring. Here's the problem: he doesn't bring anything to you def- offensively, and until he gets into shape, he's not bringing you and bringing you a little defensively. He'll hit, he'll help you on the boards, which he did today, but. You know, as far as him closing out, it, it's, it, you know, he's not giving you anything. And so you really needed Mitchell Robinson to come back in earlier. And you needed R.J. Barrett to come back in because Austin Rivers had a couple of plays where you're just like, shoot the basketball. Why are you giving it to Todd? What is Todd Gibson doing with the ball behind the three-point line with two seconds left on the shot clock? You got to be more aware. You, you know, you had the ball in your hands. You're in the paint. Put it up. At least you got a chance for a rebound. You can't take it, go through the paint, not being aware of where the time is on the shot clock, and then bring it back out. You can't do that. Now, he had some other plays. He played decently defensively. Uh, but once again, listen, Paul George is a mismatch. Uh, Kawhi Leonard is a mismatch, and they struggled in the first half, which helped you. But then you had other guys hitting threes. I mean, Patterson, who hadn't been playing, had had his had his season high in the first half. All right, so that that's some of the things that that Spike's talking about. You, you you're looking at no Patrick Patterson. What what was he five or five from the field? He didn't miss. Thou, those are the plays that hurt you. Okay, if you if you've got if right now, let me let me go to the score sheet and I will tell you. If I say to you, Kawhi Leonard has twenty eight and Paul George has seventeen for the game, you'll take that. You'll take that and run with it and run with it. I tell you this, when when Kawhi and Paul George played the Nets in a couple of nights, 28 and 17 is not going to get it done against the way that team can score. Now, maybe some other folks will challenge them, you know, from the three-point line, but I'm saying, yeah, and, and this is a team that's won 10 of their last 11, so they've been hot. But 28 and 17 – and you lose by 14, that, you know, you've done what you wanted to do. You needed to control those other players, which would have given you a better chance to win. Not saying you would have won. I'm still not saying you would have won. But it would have been closer. It would have been closer. And still, not taking anything away from the team. They fight. They scratch. They claw. Yes, they have moments where they don't. They, they struggle. Sometimes guys just are just too pass-oriented. And sometimes somebody just needs to take a shot. You know, and these are things that as they play more and more together, they will get better and work out. It's the Larry Hardesty Show on 987 ESPN, 1-800-919-3776. Also via Twitter at Hardesty ESPN at ESPN NY 98 underscore 7 FM. Leonard and the Clippers pull away from the Knicks for their 129-115 win. It was an interesting game at the Garden. As a matter of fact, look, you talk about the first half. Knicks Knicks scored, made eight of their first ten shots, led for most of the first half. Clippers took a 66-65 edge into the break. And um, it it was interesting, but – and Tom Thibodeau talked about it. We mentioned it. Get to the calls in a second. L.A. came out of the locker room seven consecutive points, put the Knicks right on their heels. And they they never really recovered from that. They never really 
were able to cut it down to maybe more than two in the fourth quarter because they just kept and they just kept hitting three after three and it was just it, it's it was not that you expected them to win but when you when you see them in the game like that you see them that close you see them giving forth effort and you're thinking maybe you know when they ten of eleven they look at the Knicks they take them lightly you know maybe you get a chance but that wasn't the case Travis is in the Bronx hey Travis you're next on ninety eight seven. Larry, how are you? Good, Travis. What's up? Uh, so, you know, to answer your poll, I think the Knicks have, you know, been a pleasant surprise. They've played a lot better than I anticipated. Um, and I think most people will say the same just based on, you know, how, how hard they play every game. And, you know, there are consistencies that, you know, we're seeing more of this year than in, in you know, years past. So I think progress for sure. Um, you know, this team reminds me a lot of the 2010 team when we signed Amari and we, you know, we mm. played better than a lot of people anticipated and we realized that we needed someone else in order to kind of get to that next level. And I think this team is very much, you know, like that one in the sense where you see these guys and they're all great role players, you know, like you, you have to respect how Randall is playing. And, you know, I understand he's a valuable asset in terms of a trade. But, you know, if these guys, if we had a legit one, whether it was a point guard or, um, you know, a small forward, I think everyone else kind of falls in line. I think RJ is a really, really good number two, like a number two and a half. I think Julius Randle, the way he's playing now, is definitely like a very, very good number two. Um, So I think if the Knicks can continue to build how they are and, you know, make some interesting moves, I, I think they're going to be better positioned than we have, or, or they're going to we're all we're going to be better positioned than we have in, in the last ten fifteen years. I do have an idea for a trade. I want to throw this out there because I know a lot has been said about the Warriors, but mm-hmm. you know I think if there was any opportunity for us to to swing for Steph Curry, I think he's the exact kind of player that this team needs. Someone who's won, someone who clearly is you know built for the moment. Um, who's willing to take on the challenge? He's, you know, he understands what it takes because if we were, you know, if you remember, the, the Warriors weren't the Warriors when he started, and he was yeah. really he, him, uh, you know, David Lee. They were integral in getting that team to where they are today and building that culture. But I think if we can potentially, you know, if, if Golden State falters and you never really know what's going to happen, but if we can trade for someone like a Curry, I think this team would would you know be leaps and bounds where they are right now with with one addition like that there's no question about that travis thanks for the phone call but unfortunately the only curry the knicks had the chance to get was seth and they couldn't get him uh there's no way the warriors are giving up uh steph curry he wants to end his career as a warrior uh so i just don't see it obviously some things could change going forward but i, I really don't see uh them giving up uh seth curry under any circumstances uh, Steph Curry under any circumstances. I just don't. I think that, uh, you know, you, the Knicks will have to look for some other players and see. And, and Travis, that's the concern that you have because you look at this team and how well they played and how close they were in how well they've played and how they've been, you know, in games with some of the elite teams in the NBA. They've been in games. Uh, then you look at them, you say, well, you know, how come they lose to Cleveland? How come they lose to some of the other teams? But they've been in games. And so obviously you look and you say, well, you need to upgrade talent. And the concern is that you don't want them to upgrade talent too soon because you want them to continue to build on the way they're going. And yeah, you're torn because just you look at draft choices and everybody that's great, you know, every draft choice is not going to be great. You know, you have to pick your spots and do as best you can to try to improve on them when you have them. And the other side of it is that the Knicks really don't have a lot to move right now. So when you look at the Julius Randle and you say, you know what, maybe to trade deadline, we'll see where we are, maybe we could move him. His next year is an expiring contract. It's the third year. Uh, we can get some more draft choices for him. Maybe we can get another player. You just have to be careful. So when you hear uh, Derek Rose, when you hear names like that being mentioned, it's like, okay, I understand the thought process, but we're not at that stage where we're trying to get the sixth or 
five or six seed in the NBA playoffs right now. I would rather, and it's easy for me to say, but I would rather go as far as I can go with this team, with these young players intact the way they are. Okay, let me go as far as I, as far as I can go with them. And then after the season, let me evaluate where I am and see, okay, look, this kid had a great year. This kid, uh, am I done with Kevin Knox? What am I doing with Knox? Okay, I'm telling you, the fact that he did not play is, is, is a statement that you're not scoring and you're not playing defense, so you're not playing. And you like that because it sets forth accountability for your young players, and it says you got to work harder. If you want to play, you got to play some defense for me because I'll give you a leeway defensively if you're scoring. Emmanuel quickly has had some he, – he's not been as good defensively in a couple of spots, but – because he's scoring and taking the bulk of the scoring, you have to play him because you need him. And you, you know, keep working on him on this defense, keep telling him, keep coaching him up on this defense. But when you're Kevin Knox and you're not, we've been coaching you for a year and a half on your defense, it's not getting better. And you're not scoring. It's very simple. You're just not playing. Buddha's in the Bronx. Hey, Buddha, you're next on 98.7. Hey, Uncle Larry, how you doing, big bro? What's up, Buddha? Hey, listen, I've heard some wild calls today at Sports Radio. <laughs> We're going to trade Sam Donald for a late first-round pick, and now the Warriors are going to give up Steph Curry. I know it's tough to be a Knicks and a Jets fan, but we got to come with something a little bit better than that, man. Yeah. Um, listen, What's man. <laughs> listen, um, before I get into your poll question, the Knicks, just um, two points. One, um, John Chaney, you know, um, yeah. Yeah. That, that's a loss, man. Like John Chaney, John Thompson, you know, growing up, you know, in the hood, man, I mean, those guys remind you of your favorite candy back in the days. They were lifesavers, yeah. man. Yeah. What they were doing was, was coaching, but they really were giving opportunities and, like, like changing lives and, and doing, giving hope to communities. So, you know, yep. these losses are going to be very hard to overcome. And, I, you know, you wonder who's going to fill those shoes, if anybody. Um, Deshaun Watson, listen, if he doesn't want to come here, totally understand that. But if it's going to be a situation why he's not going to come here because – uh, GM doesn't want to make the deal uh, because him and even um, Caesar Salah, the coach, that it's in their best interest to try to do the long-term plan. As a Jets fan, I got a problem with that. We've been on a, like a 10-year rebuild. I mean, somebody's got to come in here and start establishing that we're expecting to win now, you know? And mm-hmm. I'm just going to leave that at that. Um, with, the, with the poll question, the Knicks, for me, they're where I expected them to be because, you know, coaching makes a big difference especially veteran coaching, they're rolling around like 400, you know, 370 winning percentage. And um, I think that's fine. But you read my mind when you were talking about um, Obi-Wan and then also with Quickly. Mm-hmm. Well, Obi-Wan, listen, you're going to get 15, 20 minutes. you got to come in here and you got to be aggressive. The same way what you're talking about with Quickly, that he's scoring so much that the coach has to play him. If you come in here and you, you take the Mitchell Robinson approach, because I believe you have way more talent than him, and you attack that rim, and you, you do putbacks and alley-oops, that's going to keep you on the floor. Them three-pointers and all that, brother, that's not your game, really, in this league, number one. Mm-hmm. And number two, it just shows, like, it's a timidness. You're too big and too high-jumping to be out there on that perimeter. And that's what he needs to focus on. Not anything in terms of technical, it's just the approach. He needs to become more aggressive. But with quickly, listen here, you know, and I heard they've been talking a, a lot of these shows about, you know, it doesn't make a difference whether he starts or not. Play that interview again that Calipari had when they were talking about quickly. And he said, yeah, I had all these different lineups and I was doing all this different thing. And I just woke up one day and I said, you know what? This guy needs to start. I think Tibbs needs to do that for two reasons. First reason is he's the best point guard or two-way guard. He's the best offensive player on the team, really. Even better than Randall. Yep. Because he's playing at that position that the league is geared towards, and that's the guard position. But second of all, this is the only criticism I can say about Tibbs really this year, is you still got to dispel that narrative about, like what you're talking about, bringing Derrick Rose and all these other guys in here. Mm-hmm. You got to see a young player, and you got to give that young dog a chance. Clear example was when they had that um, technical foul today. You put Julius Randle at the line, when quickly is consistently, I don't care how hot Julius Randle has been from the line recently, he's consistently been your best um, free throw shooter. You got to put him in there. You got to let him go. Let the wings open and let him fly. 
it's not going to change the, um, the, the the record of the Knicks drastically, whether he starts or comes off the bench. And I know we don't have anything off the bench, you know, in terms of, of, of a score. There's ways to work around that. Breaking certain people earlier. Take R.J. Barrett out earlier. Take um, Randall out earlier. Let them catch a blow so that that way they're playing in, with the second unit some. You got to start this kid. It makes no sense at this point for him not to start. And you got to show that you can have belief in a young player. He's earned that. And the other thing it does, Buddha, and thanks for the phone call, the other thing it does for him is it, it, because he's going to be playing, and he, in a way he is because he's, he's really dominating the fourth quarter, and he's in with some of the starters. But what it does is it forces him to adjust his game because you're playing against starters more consistently, which means they're going to take some things away from you. When he first came in the game, the Clippers were very aware of his ability to get into the lane and go for that floater, and they really tried to take him, keep him from getting in the lane because they knew. So already the video was going around the NBA about this kid and his ability to get into the lane and how well he does with the floater and how, how good he is. So he's going to have to end up making an adjustment to that. And so by playing against the elite players in the starting rotation – that forces you to adjust your game even more. This is 98.7 ESPN. It's the Larry Hardesty Show on 98.7 ESPN, 1-800-919-3776. Also on Twitter, at Hardesty ESPN, at ESPN NY, 98 underscore 7 FM. So our poll question today, after 21 games, the Knicks have played better than expected, worse than expected, or as expected. And of course, as you would think, most of you have said better than expected. As a matter of fact, 94% of you have said better than better than expected. And about 6% of you say as expected. Nobody has said worse than expected, which I didn't think, but I was just curious. All right, here we go. Uh, at Shorty says, better than expected, they overachieved, they play defense, which to me surprised me in the sense I did not think they would pick up on Tibbs' defensive concepts this quickly and apply it so fast. I figured it would take a new roster for that. Um, And um, at Fred from Fresh Meadows, Larry, if anyone responds worse than expected, that person is probably a Nets fan or a Celtic fan trolling here. You can weigh in as well via Twitter, and on the phones at 1-800-919-3776. That's where we find Richard in Manhattan. Hey, Richard, you're next on 98.7. Larry, 9-12 and 12 goes to 31-41. and 41. That's what I expected them to win, 31-41. and 41. And in an 82-game season, it would have been 35-47. and 47. So record-wise, they're where I thought they'd be. They are playing better every game. They must watch TV, really. I have to watch. What about two weeks ago when they killed the Celtics that Sunday? Come on, yeah. that was priceless. The only mm-hmm. thing tonight, I mean, they went from 81 points to Cleveland to 129. That's more than one and a half times more. Yeah. <laughs> Larry, that's yeah. unbelievable. It from is. 81 to 129 in two days. Yeah, Richard, they hit the three today, and they couldn't buy a basket in Cleveland. Uh, you know, <laughs> I, but you know, and the guy that usually kills them for the Clippers is no longer there. The uh, six-man guy, Harrell, he wasn't there, and they yeah. still got killed. Hey, yeah. Larry, I was just thinking, Quigley, mm-hmm. he is the most surprising, pleasant draft choice the Knicks have made since who? I don't know who. Who do you think, Richard? David Lee. Right? Yeah, Wouldn't you say David Lee? He yeah, was a okay. surprise. He was a surprise. That, he yeah. was a surprise. I yeah. mean, nobody since him, David Lee, has been a surprise yeah, to me. He was a surprise. Nobody's played better than I thought they would play as a rookie yeah. for the Knicks since David Lee. All right, yeah. here's some uh, things I got in mind. Uh, mm-hmm. Phoenix with Chris Paul. That guy's playing unbelievable. Chris Paul? Yeah, yeah, Paul's playing and eight, well out there. That guy should be MVP right now as far as yeah. I can see. Guy's playing, playing great. great. And I'll tell you, the coach of the year is the Houston coach, Silas' son. Look yeah, what Steve Houston Silas. lost. They lost, <laughs> I mean, if you listen to everybody, they lost a future Hall of Fame backcourt, right? Westbrook and yeah. They mm-hmm. lost the center, Capello, who's averaging 15 rebounds a game. And they lost their coach of five years, uh, Mike D'Antoni. Mm-hmm. And this guy stepped in in their 500. 
Yeah. So I think that's the a West. great job by him, the Houston coach, and uh, Chris Paul with Phoenix. They're two games above. Now, right. some of the things, Chris, uh, Larry, what I've seen, uh, you know, Las Vegas is never wrong. I understand it. But I knew this was wrong when I saw it. Preseason. Do you know who they rated number one and number two to win MVP in the NBA? This is a joke. Donkage and Zion. And I said, these two guys are not even going to reach 500 with their teams. Both teams are four games below. Donkage will never win with the Porzingis because Porzingis is a Giancarlo, Giancarlo Stanton of uh, the basketball. This guy never stays on the court. So how do you, you don't give an MVP to a team that goes 10, 15 games under. And uh, Zion, I don't know. I don't know if he, he can carry that team. They'll be lucky if they finish 500 this year. Larry, one last thing. Yeah. Hathon Wingo. Let me mm. give you my memories of Hawthorne. Okay. He came to the Knicks 72-73. Now, the New York papers always spelled it Hawthorne, H-A-W-T-H. But in the obituary I read in the Times, it was always spelled H-A-R-T-H-O-R-N-E. So he was spelled, you know, he was uh, mispronounced. Anyway, Hawthorne Wingo was the first basketball player I've ever seen. 1972-73, that season he came when the Knicks won the championship. At the end of the bench, at the end of the game, if the Knicks were blowing out the team, the, the fans would start yelling out, Wingo, Wingo, right. and yeah. Red Holtzman would have to bring him in. Now, yep. Wingo, when they introduced the players from what college, Bill Bradley from Princeton, Willis Reed from Grambling, Will Frazier from Southern Illinois, they go, Hawthorne Wingo, Friendship Junior College in North Carolina. He didn't go to college. You know when he was discovered, Larry? How the Knicks discovered him? No, I don't remember. In the Rucker Pro League in the summer oh, of 69. Yeah. Yeah. He went up there playing ball with Julius Irving and those guys. And he went up there and he impressed. The Knicks sent him to Allentown. And then he played in the Eastern League back then. And that's how he got called up by the day. A fan favorite, boy. He Everyone was. liked Hawthorne he Wingo. He's a lot of memories. Larry, always a pleasure. Same here. Same here, Richard. Yeah, he was. He, he, was, a, he was a tremendous guy coming off the bench. Everybody loved Hawthorne Wingo. Yeah, he will be missed. Justice is in the Bronx. Hey, Justice, you're next on 98.7 ESPN. Hey, Larry, what's going on, my brother? Hey, what's happening, partner? How are you going to call me Justice? You know my name is Justice from the Bronx, brother. Oh, Come okay. on, let's I, go. All right. So, um, sorry. I miss you too, Larry. I miss <laughs> you too. Now, hey, hey, guess what? Now you'll call more often. What happened? Ah, he's trying to blame it on me. i give you that. Drink <laughs> some coffee. I'll give you that. But let's be honest. I saw the whole game today. Yes. I like Spike. I understand what's going on. But you got to stop giving. Okay. In your position, you're going to make everything positive, and I get it. Quigley, go ahead. Good job. Obi, yo, step up. Why are they not pitching the ball down to Robinson? Why did he get no, not one post up? Old school ballers go down to the post. Why he got no one post up? Todd Gibson, 18 minutes, makes no sense. I'm not understanding, but even, oh, I love, I love Thibodeau. Don't get it wrong. Mm-hmm. I love Thibodeau. I got you. I got you. But if I got a big man that can really destroy you, why not at least once or twice, like twice a quarter? I was not understanding that. I understand the drive, and of course, come on, when you saw Kawhi the first two quarters, you already knew he was going to do a 34. Like, yeah, I did. Come on, that's obvious. Mm-hmm. It's a true NBA watcher, like, and I love Kawhi. I have no disrespect for that man. But at the end of the day, and then Paul George, you know he don't play defense, so why not go at him? You understand what I'm saying? But my thing was, honestly, I just want to stick to this one point. Mm-hmm. You have a big man. It actually can be a big man. You can bring him back, not as a five, but maybe a four. I normally go so far and say Tim Duncan, but you can might make him that. But his hops is crazy. So why not throw the ball on him? Get the well, big man in the game. Justice, Everybody know. Well, get the big justice, man in the game. Here's my issue with it, and I agree with you. Thanks for the phone call. Good hearing from you. I agree with you. I've said it before. During this offseason, I wanted them to develop him to give me something in the low post other than the lob. Lob is great. But I need to eventually, he needs to be able to eventually command a double team that would open some things up. They don't run anything for him, and he doesn't go in the low post even looking for the ball. He ain't even looking for the ball. Now, maybe they need to do some more work with him. I mean, I know there was videos of him shooting threes in the offseason, talking about he's practicing. I know his coach, his high school coach, says he could shoot the three because he did it in high school. I got all that. But I don't know why they don't look for him in the paint. They should. 
It would open up some things for a lot of other people. It would take some pressure off of them. Even if he gave you, if he gave, if he could give you 10 and 10, it would be a huge help. It would. There's no question about it. I don't, the answer, I don't know why they don't. He either, he hasn't done it. They don't like what they see. They're still working on it or whatever, but it would be a help to them offensively. Bruce is in Flushing. He's next on 98.7. Hey, Bruce. Hey, Larry. Um, about a week ago, I called you and, and Gordon and said the Rangers were in trouble. Yes, you They did. are in trouble, my, my friend. I don't know if you know this or not. They put um, the defenseman on waivers today. D'Angelo. D'Angelo. Did they just give him an extension? Supposedly he had a physical altercation with the goaltender right after the game. Oh, that's not good. <laughs> and it's, and he was also on ice for four of the goals last night. Mm-hmm. That's not good. You know, so no, and and the problem right now is here's the problem: they don't have a second line center, they don't have a guy who can win the draws, and the and and they, they the coach last night deserves the blame for the loss. Mm. This is not college. This is not Boston College or Boston U or where the heck you came from. I think it was Boston College. Yes. But in mm-hmm. yeah, Boston College, this is the NHL where you need to win games. This idea of, well, we'll have one goaltender play one game, another goaltender play another game, just to be fair. No, 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 no. This is a National Hockey League where the idea is to get points, to win games and to get points. You have to establish a number one goaltender. Hanks retired. Igor should have been playing last night. He had a good game to the game before. The fact that they want to alternate goaltenders, that's on the coach. Mm-hmm. And it's it's about time. Love the coach. Coach has been doing well. But this is the National Hockey League, like I said. And it's time to, to, to see what he's been doing. He doesn't stay with the Lions long. He switches around, which is okay because Mike Keenan did the same thing when he went for the Cup. So, you know, sometimes that works, sometimes that doesn't. But... He has to establish, establish Igor as the number one goaltender. Number two, he has to get a center iceman who can win draws. Number three, he, he, he can, they have to try and get a second-line center. Um, there's some rumors about him going after Vince Dunn, uh, a defenseman from St. Louis. They may have to give a number one draft pick or another prospect. But if, if they don't write this team within the next five to seven days, this season may be lost. I hear what you're saying, Bruce. Thanks for the phone call. And um, when you, uh, this is Boston University, by the way. And I hear what you're saying. <clears throat> Excuse me. The, I just think that he hasn't found anything consistent that he likes. I think that's his biggest issue, that he's still looking for line to, for guys to play together, and he's still not sure who's the number one goalkeeper on this team. <laughs> The Larry Hardesty Show on 98.7 ESPN. Hour number two, Sunday afternoon edition of the show. Thanks for hanging out with me. Here till 6.30, Dennis Islanders Hockey on 98.7 ESPN. 1-800-919-3776. We've been talking about the Knicks, and you can continue the way in, but I want to turn our attention now to a little football. And I'm, I'm real concerned if you are a Jet fan about the situation with Deshaun Watson after the Matthew Stafford trade. As you know, Matthew Stafford was traded to the Rams. And according to our Adam Schefter, the Lions received a third-round pick in 2021, a first-round pick in 2022, a first-round pick in 2023, and of course, Jerry Goff. Stafford went to Lions team president Ron Wood after the season concluded and mentioned the idea of a trade that might be best for both the franchise and the quarterback. And for those of you who I've heard from, who are Jet fans, who are concerned, concerned about the uh, Deshaun Watson trade, what you have said was very simply, you don't want to give up too much because of the fact that Deshaun Watson, you're not one or two players away 
from being a, a, a really, really good team. Okay. And you're concerned about giving up all that draft capital, which I get. Now, what I would say to you is this, and I know that according to the Houston Chronicle, they claim the Texans want two first-round picks, two second-round picks, and two young defensive starters, quoting the article, at the least. Now, while I understand that Houston is going to ask for as much as possible because they aren't really trying to trade Deshaun Watson. They're really just, you know, they're not going to make it easy. But I will caution you with this. When you look at what the Jets' number one picks are, as opposed to the L.A. Rams' number one picks, it's a little different, right? I mean, the Jets have the number two overall pick. The Rams are drafting much lower than that. And the Rams, especially with Matthew Stafford going there, potentially will be drafting, at least they hope, even lower than they were this year because they expect to go further. All right, they expect to go deep into the playoffs with Matthew Stafford on this team. So... They've mortgaged their future. And you'll say to me, well, Larry, look, come on. Matthew Stafford, very good quarterback, is not <laughs> as good as Deshaun Watson right now. Deshaun Watson's a better quarterback. So I am I am interested into seeing how this goes. Uh, there's an article in the New York Post where they quote uh, in this article, and it was written, I'll tell you, by Ryan Dunleavy. And they he quotes uh, Jimmy Johnson. You know, the former Cowboys coach. How about that Cowboy? Yeah, Jimmy Johnson. And uh, in this article, he says that Jimmy Johnson created a points chart for draft pick value. So the Jets pick, which is the number two pick overall, is worth 2,600 points. The Dolphins pick, originally belonging to the Texans, is not interesting as that, is worth 2,200 points, while the Rams pick at 25, which now belongs to the Jaguars, is worth just 720 points. So in other words, a top three pick is worth three first rounders where the Rams drafted, where the Rams are, because of their success. Okay, so when you look at it that way, it means that while Houston may be asking for all that, ultimately, I don't think it'll take all that. I, I don't think it'll take a player plus a first-round pick this year, a first-round pick next year, and a first-round pick the following year. So, in other words, you're, the, the, the Rams are not going to have a first-round pick till 2024. And clearly, they think that, you know, that's, that's what they need to do to get rolling. Okay, they think that's what they need to do to get to the to get to the next step. And this is amazing. This is a kid. Jared Goff was in the was in the Super Bowl a couple of years ago. And because and listen, it's not like we're surprised. I mean, you heard comments coming out there. You heard comments coming from LA. GM was talking about, yeah, well, you know, he's he's the quarterback now. <laughs> So you knew that they were looking to make adjustments. You knew that they were looking to move on from him. Once again, this is a quarterback who got to the Super Bowl not even even four years ago. And they've moved on from him and gone to another quarterback in Matthew Stafford. So my question for you, if you are the Jets, if you could talk to Joe Douglas right now, Would you encourage him to say, listen, based on what we've seen, if we give, because you could give a first-round pick, because you've got two this year. You've got yours and you've got Seattle's. You could give a first-round pick this year, a first-round pick next year, Sam Darnold, and a a couple of second-rounders or a second rounder or something of that nature, and it would be good. Here's what I'm telling you. Here's the bottom line. Houston, if Houston expects 
for anybody, anybody to give up two first-round picks, two second-round picks, and two young defensive starters at the least, they don't want to make a deal. And that's clear. They And I understand. They really don't. They don't really want to give away Deshaun Watson. They don't. That's why they're making it just such, you know, unbelievable. That's not going to work. Nobody's going to go for that. That's why they're making it so high. But eventually, they're going to have to make a decision because unless they can smooth things over with Deshaun Watson and from what all our reporting tells us from our number of, of analysts and reporters here at the Worldwide Leader, that's, that's not happening. It's not happening. Simply not. He wants out. And while I understand that many people look at this as, well, you know, he signed the contract and, you know, what's going on with this? I, and listen, I get it. And it's true. But in the NFL, to me, it's a little different. Because in the NFL, owners have no problem getting rid of players at the drop of a hat. And yes, he's got $73 million guaranteed. And yes, there was $190 something dollars of his salary that over the extension. $73 million of that's guaranteed. In other words, ladies and gentlemen, there's, I doubt if he, he will not see the $196 million in that contract. They're going to cut him before. He's not going to live out that contract. So, yes, I understand in, in the literal sense of he should live up to his contract. And he signed this contract knowing that what, what the situation was, and he signed the extension. And, yes, we've talked about it, the fact that he was in tears and happy when he signed it. So, clearly, something else happened. He was the good soldier. He was the guy that said, I, I want to be with this team. I'm humbled by what they've done. He was happy to have the contract. He was happy to be in Houston. Something obviously changed. We don't know what that is, you know, and – what makes it obvious that things are not good in Houston is there's so many people from around the league, former t- former players, teammates, and people who are in the NFL who are talking about what's going on in Houston. And obviously, as bad as it was, it was tolerable. It's gotten worse. And so he wants out. Are the, would you, if you were Joe Douglas... Would you pull the trigger on three first-round picks and Sam Darnold? I'm telling you, it's a no-brainer for me. So what would you do if you're Joe Douglas of the Jets and you see what the... Detroit Lions and Los Angeles Rams just did. Would that encourage you to pull the trigger? And once again, let me just clarify that the 2021 pick for uh, the Rams is a third-round pick. The first round belongs to Jacksonville. It's a third-round pick. So they've got a third-rounder this year and two consecutive number-one picks. And, And Jared Goff, younger quarterback, monetarily, there are some things the Rams are, listen, the, clearly the Rams are rolling the dice because they're saying that they're not going to have a first-round pick, what, seven years? Four, five, six, seven years? Based on what they lost previously and they traded the number one pick to Jacksonville for this year and they've got, you know, now the next two years. So 2024, they won't have, they won't have a number one pick till 2024. Wow. It's a long time. But they believe that they can, they have such faith in their scouting department that their scouting department will be able to find depth and impact players in the second, third, and fourth rounds and, and beyond. That's what they're looking at. That's what they're, and they're rolling the dice that way. Plus, they feel that Stafford is an upgrade over golf in what Sean McVay wants to run in his offensive system. It's interesting. Let's go to the phone see what you think. 1-800-919-3776. Ace is in Bloomfield. What's up, Ace? Hey, Larry. How you doing today? I'm doing great, Ace. What's going on, partner? Yeah, 
first time, long time. Uh, I think right now, if if we're just talking about uh, giving up um, three first rounders and and Sam Darnold, I think that would be perfect as far as like getting Deshaun Watson. But if uh, from what I'm hearing, the Texans also wanted uh, Quinn Williams. That 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 hands down, I think for Joe Douglas, that would be a deal breaker because you're basically trading away your future, and we're back to square one. I agree with that, Ace, and I don't know that um, I don't know that Houston has said that. I know that our GM Mike Tannenbaum said that if if that's who they want, then you can find another defensive impact player in the draft, or maybe you could sign one as a free agent, but you will not find a player the caliber of Deshaun Watson there. So I think that's where the balance is. But you make an interesting point, Ace, and thanks for the phone call. And hopefully you'll call again now that you've done the first time. Um, you. You, you, I just think that you'll find that because he is such – you're looking – this never happens, Ace. You're looking at a quarterback in his prime, entering into his prime at 25, who, who's going to be good. I mean, look, look, at what we're, look at what we're seeing. Uh Aaron Rodgers, 37, Breeze, 42, Brady, 43. I mean, you're looking at at guys, he could be good for the next 10, 12 years. And that's why I got to be honest with you, and I understand both sides of it. I understand the Houston side and not wanting to give him up because they would be the laughing stock of football. And I understand Deshaun Watson's side that, you know, he, he just finds it untenable to play there anymore because of whatever happened. But... If you're Houston and you have to give him up based on what you've done with DeAndre Hopkins, then you know what? You gotta you you gotta have you have to have something returning that's representative of trying to keep your franchise afloat. Danny's in Long Island. What's up, Danny? You're next on ninety eight seven. Good evening, Larry. A couple of uh, points. Uh, one in regards to the Ram uh Detroit trade. Obviously, the coach of the Rams is looking for a more mobile quarterback because, interesting enough, two weeks ago they actually uh, signed the Steelers' third-string quarterback, uh, Doug Hodges, who mm-hmm. sort of looks like uh, the guy that backup was named Wolford, I believe. He was running all over the place, and that's the kind – he played very well when he came in with very little – for the Rams, of course, with yep. very little uh, practice. And obviously that showed uh, the, the Rams' coach that this is the quarterback that he wants. And I happen to like uh, – Goff, I think he's like Tom Brady light. He's a tall kid. He's very intelligent. He moves about the pocket. He made stars out of Cooper Cup, Robert Woods, a couple of different tight ends. So uh, it's amazing. You don't usually see these these types of quarterbacks being traded. And Stafford's a much older quarterback. Right. So obviously you're correct. The Rams are pushing it all, all the chips in the middle, and they feel like they got the defense and, and the offensive talent to win now, and they made that move. They obviously want a quarterback who can run around and make plays with his feet which is not Goff's uh, game, but Goff is certainly a top-level, maybe mid-of-the-pack, 10- to 15-level uh, rating of a quarterback. So uh, he'll do – I feel bad for him because he went from a Super Bowl team and he won a road game in the NFL. How many quarterbacks win a road game in the NFL and yeah. get traded a month later? I don't know if not that's many. ever happened. <laughs> not many. And then, listen, as far as the Jets and the, the – you know, to, to combine two of the stories dominating the news, uh, Watson has the uh, – has the uh, is pulling a short sale with the Texans. And the Jets have them in a uh, the super squeeze, whatever they call that, because the Jets know they have this team. They 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 have to. There's not too many teams that can offer the Texans what they want, which is a top round draft choice and maybe even a starting quarterback mm-hmm. uh, in a trade. So yep. I think the Jets have to do the have to do the move. You have to get this quarterback. The only negative thing I could come up to think about with Watson, and there's nothing negative to say. I was pondering this. I said, you know, that team went four and twelve. And in the last 20 years, the top six quarterbacks that we always talk about, their teams never finished under 500 once. Mm-hmm. You know, they may not have always won the Super Bowl, but Deshaun Watson is a great quarterback. He can quarterback my team. But Drew Brees' team never went 4-12. and And there was years Ben Roethlisberger had nobody in the offensive line. He never went 4-12. and So mm-hmm. Watson has a lot to prove. But, man, the Jets have no choice but to offer them the kitchen sink. And like you said, if they get him and they go 10-6 and six for the next – 10 years, their first round draft choice is up in the mid twenties. And they're not going to, and they, they, you can figure out th- those, those issues when you get to it. But I yeah. think they got to walk him everything, including a limousine ride from the airport. <laughs> All 
All right, Danny, thanks for the phone call. And, and the points about the, the quarterbacking situation over there with the Rams and Pittsburgh and what they seem to do. You're right. And for me, it's, it, it's, just, it's real simple, okay? It, it's just real simple. You, you've been looking for a quarterback. You're still looking for a quarterback. And I don't know what Justin Fields is going to be. I don't know what Jack, Zach Wilson is going to be. I don't know what any of these players are going to be. Honestly, I know what they say about Trevor Lawrence. I don't even know what Trevor Lawrence is going to be at this level. Okay? I mean, listen, Andrew Luck was supposed to win multiple titles when he got to Indianapolis because of his ability. And it's not his fault that they didn't get further than they did. But the issue was his offensive line was so bad he had to retire early. And so that's what you have in the back of your mind, and that's why it is so important. It's an important point to remember that even if the Jets are able to bring in Deshaun Watson, all right, it doesn't mean that they're done. They still have more work to do. They've got to fulfill their offensive line. They've got to get the pass rush with the defensive line. They've got to get some secondary help. They've got to get running back. They have to get a number one receiver. It doesn't mean that they are done. But of all those big checklists, man, if you, if you can get a quarterback who, and, you know, you're right what you said, uh, who struggled and went 4-12, and 12, but, I mean, you know, got to for almost 5,000 yards. Without and he didn't have a number one receiver either. I mean, the, and yet the stats were pretty impressive for what he was able to do. And the and the you know the misfunction that was going on there. I mean, for J.J. Watt as a veteran on the team to come over and apologize to him for wasting his talents. I mean, that as a leader on the team, that says a lot. It says a lot. It says a lot about J.J. Watt, but it also says a lot about how he respects Deshaun Watson that kept trying to elevate his play and the play of the offense despite what was going on around it. This is 98.7 ESPN.